Hey everyone, and welcome to The Rational Republican, a podcast where we look at complex issues facing us here in Oregon and around the nation. We'll try to address issues from a nonpartisan perspective and view our disagreements through a lens of respect rather than tribalism or divisiveness. I'm James Ball. This is Nick Perlosky. Hey listeners, how we doing? Listeners, welcome back to part two of 37 or however many this is up being of the, <laughs> the DPO platform. We're going to hit article two this time. Maybe Article 3 if we have time. We'll see. Uh, Nick is out today. He had some other something else. So we have Xander and Peter back. I like your optimism about maybe getting to Article 3. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll see how long it is. It's mostly just like a timing, like how long they've... Well, we don't have to read the preamble to the platform again, so... That's true. Good point. We made it through one and a half pages last time. We'll yes. see if we can make it through one and a half. To tell you how long this actually it's, is. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, without further ado, let's jump right in. Article 2, education. Should be a good one. (laughs) Public education, pre-K to grade 12, post-secondary schools, vocational training. Oregon Democrats believe public schools are the foundation of our democracy and essential to promoting an informed citizenry. We believe equitable, stable schools provide all students with universal access to a high-quality education from pre-kindergarten through higher education. We acknowledge that the quality public education for all students allows each student to reach their full potential and not only enriches personal lives, but also strengthens our economy and is crucial to the well-developed, well-functioning democracy. We support fully funding public schools in accordance with the quality education model, QEM. Our students deserve comprehensive educational opportunities reflected in the arts, civics, critical thinking, history, sciences, physical education, mathematics, economics, languages, technologies, libraries, and literary literary supports, alternative education, and other disciplines that develop the whole child. That is one hell of a catch-all. I noticed going through this, the Democrats really like lists. They, they like words. They, they like, like lots and lots and lots of words. There's so many times in here where it's like, especially when we get further on, where it's, you could just, we'd think everything for all people, including, and then they list like 17 things. It's, it's ridiculous. Like, it's, it's just leave it at period, all people, period. No, but you know there's a huge debate on the floor about, well, you forgot to, men- well, you forgot to, well, you forgot to. Yeah. No, yeah. shut up. <laughs> Sorry. Just, say, yeah. just leave it at the, the total. Anyway. I don't know. I, I was raised entirely in public schools. and So was uh, I. Mm-hmm. You They're know, fine. one of the nice things about my school system growing up was we weren't union. And surprisingly, we had higher uh, we had I, higher test scores and better uh, athletics and really just about everything. So uh, right out of the damn gate, kinda, I love it. Yeah, kind of calling some some bullshit on this. Oh, sorry, sorry, okay, fans. I'll, I'll edit it. Okay. Well, the thing that stuck out to me is the emphasis on public. Like, yeah, why the emphasis on public? I mean, you, it's you, the same thing with, you know, with emphasis on just government controls everything. Like that's right. Yeah. We saw that in season one. That's, that's true. <laughs> Episode one. I'm just going uh, to call the plank seasons from now on. <laughs> or articles, whatever. Might as well be. All right. Well, let's get on to the planks. Plank one. We support free public education from birth through grade 12. And we believe every Oregonian, Oregon student should have the opportunity to attend publicly funded college, university, or vocational programs tuition free. We believe in reducing and or eliminating existing student loan debt and eliminating predatory student loan practices. I'm fine with that last part. That seems fair. <laughs> the predatory loan practices, I'll get I'll I'm I'm okay with the last like free school and everything is nice in theory, but I don't know how they get there when they can't even fund it currently and they can't even contain costs currently. It just seems uh, it, To me, I I see the the benefit of K through 12 as being just general knowledge that everyone needs to be a citizen of the United States. Whereas college, you know, is where you specialize in what you're going to do. Liberal arts, yo. But there's so, because there's so much free money floating around for, uh, not free money, but like free access to loans that people end up majoring in these things that they end up saddling themselves with all this debt and end up not actually using that for anything. Sure. And I think that's, you know, totally their fault. But, um, (laughs) (laughs) you know, you can't all study things with great, career outlooks like agriculture or something <laughs> well I, I don't even blame them like i was an idiot when i was 17 sure. 18 years old making these decisions like you just kind of 
Anyway, this, this sh- is a much bigger problem. This is why we should allow 16-year-olds to vote. <laughs> and we can't right. discount, like, like, I hate when people talk about, oh, this culture war, American culture is declining, and then we thumb our noses at arts and, and culture, educate, you know, people becoming artists and whatnot. I disagree with you, though. I think there is a place for public public schools in high school to start uh, helping kids get trade degrees. I personally think you should be able to graduate from high school with a trade degree if you wanted to, instead of doing some dumb elective, you know, you could just <laughs> go right into an apprenticeship or something or, or, you know, a program like that. But I, I don't really see a whole lot in that that I disagree with. I, I'm not sure. I, I guess it needed to be said, but I think the rest of this just kind of builds on what's why, you know, it, it gets the rest of this plan, the platform gets to sort of their rationale for it. And that's where I think I just start to disagree. Okay. Okay. We can move on to this. I think this is, we could probably have an entire podcast sure. on education, but I will, well, I will, I will, I will give one quick quote from John Adams. Sure. I must study politics and war that my sons may have the liberty to study mathematics and philosophy. My sons ought to study mathematics and philosophy, geography, natural history, naval architecture, navigation, commerce, and agriculture. There you go, buddy. Nice. In order to give their children a right to study painting, poetry, music, architecture, statuary, tapestry, and porcelain. Hmm. Again, the idea of every generation, you get further and further away of having to deal with like the worst of the worst, and you can actually then start yeah. to focus on the arts, which I think is maybe what you were going with that. Yeah, I think it's important that we have those. I mean, my dad's an architect. I think it's important that we have those um, those people in our society that can make art, that can design. Otherwise, you know, what's what's really the point? That culture that we have is just stagnant. But you're right. It, it's kind of built on the backs of all of the rest of us. and Who put in the real hard work. Yeah. And if you're... Uh, <laughs> it's not a joke. And maybe if you're just not a creative person, you shouldn't study graphic design. <laughs> but um, that's just some self-honesty that uh, maybe some people don't have. Looking at you, Tulsi Gabbard's art department with their campaign <laughs> merchandise. It sucks so bad. Sorry. Continue. All right, moving along. Plank two. We oppose the use of public funds per, for private schools, <laughs> private charter schools, vouchers, or other strategies such as earn education, excuse me, education savings accounts, or social impact bonds to shift public funds away from public schools. So again, why the emphasis? Shouldn't we be promoting the best Things education? That work. Yeah, the best education for all students, not just government-controlled schools. Well, and it's funny because I believe two planks later in this article, it says we support having higher standards for public money when it goes into private charter schools. And you're like, what? Uh, which, again, I am fine with that. I think that there should be higher standards for charter schools. Sure. Mm, sure. sure. I'm fine yeah. with that. I have no qualms with that. But then don't say in your in, in your article that you don't want to have a publicly funded charter schools and then say... Also, we should have higher standards for them when they're publicly funded. Right. Well, all right. <laughs> Moving on. I, I, I just say do what works. But like, use no, government exactly. money for the best thing possible. No, no do comment. what works. No disagreement. Yeah. Agreed. Plank three. We support smaller class sizes to better meet student needs. We strongly encourage the mm-hmm. state of Oregon to adopt its own fully funded high-quality standards and keep education student-centered from birth through grade 12. Um, if you're going to try to teach to a newborn anything, <laughs> I, the birth part is really weird. I to me. question, yeah, uh, like pre-K that is fine, but what are you going to teach a two-month-old? Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, maybe That's we're weird. reading that too literally, but I, I think, feel like that yeah. word they wrote it quite literally. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, the rest of it I think is is fine. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. it's sort of a little yeah. platitude, yeah. but it's, yeah. it's it's good. Yeah, smaller class sizes. All right, plank four. We support a whole child approach to education that encourages students to acquire general knowledge and to become accomplished at respecting others, critical thinking, working collaboratively and creatively, and acting in ways that are fair and just. Mm. This includes providing culturally culturally sensitive curriculum, culturally responsive curriculum, excuse me, restorative practices, and applying critical race theory. Huh. So I had to look up critical race theory. Yeah, I was going to ask what I that, learned was that was because I in high school uh, because I also had to you're look young. it up. Well, I had to look it up too. <laughs> so in uh, high school? I, yeah. Well, no, I just, people were talking about it on Fox News, so I looked it up. Anyways. So ba- basically, it is the theory that white supremacy and white nationalism are baked into our cultural, mm. societal fabric and need to be fought against. Right. And while 
I don't necessarily disagree with that in theory or in concept. That this isn't really clear on when they want to teach this right. to people, but I think if you start or teaching, how. right. And and when I was reading about it, they're talking about it in law school. Is what right. teaching it's, it's, and it is a legal <laughs> theory. Right. So like, I mean, law school, I think, is an appropriate place to talk about that, that kind of thing. That sounds great. You start talking to elementary school kids about white people have ruined this country and there's white supremacy is, you know, whether or not that's true, that starts to get under your skin and... I, I think for me, the... In one of the whitest states in the country. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think for me, I'm not so much... Um, <clears throat> I think culturally responsive curriculum is is good. I don't think that we should be teaching people, or, or I should say omitting bad things that have happened in our past uh, from from even high school. I think that's an appropriate age to, to tell kids, hey, you know, <laughs> the original Oregon Constitution was basically a white supremacist manifesto. Yeah. <laughs> it was not <laughs> um, good. <laughs> We didn't get rid of our sundown laws till the 60s. Yeah. Sorry, black folks. And I think yeah. it's important that kids know that. Critical race theory, I think, is it's very specific. And I'm not sure that it... I, I agree with you. I think that it's a, it's, it is a legal theory, and it's one that I think is probably best reserved for a legal classroom where you can debate that legal theory with other legal professionals. No, I think that's a good point, too. And I'm, in fact, I remember... When I was on tour, when I was in a band at one point, what, the, have, what haven't you done, Xander? Seriously, <laughs> man, <that's, laughs> um, I, I haven't been in space yet. Uh, <laughs> still Not time yet. yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, still time. Uh, when we were on tour in the lobby of the hotel the next morning, when we woke up, was a elementary school textbook convention to which I said, "I'm going to read." all these books. <laughs> and it was so wild to me because, again, I don't remember what I was taught as far as history was mm-hmm. concerned when I was in elementary school, but it's a very glossary version of everything. Mm-hmm. Almost to the point where I, I mean, I, I read this whole, wait, well, I, gotta, I just read this book on John Wilkes Booth at the time, so I'm was, I was going to read the Booth portion about the Lincoln assassination. It was just like, a crazed madman killed the president. I'm like, oh, uh, I mean, <laughs> it's a little more to it than that. Way more complicated than that. <laughs> yeah. He's actually like the most famous actor in America. He was actually quite eloquent on the wrong side of history, but eloquent about his beliefs. Anyways. Not a defense of John Wilkes Booth. Not, no, no, absolutely <laughs> not. Uh, but just like that, there's so much more to the story and thinking, is there even any point to teaching, you know, six year olds a gloss over version of history when we're just going to go and blow up what we just taught them four years ago like later on <laughs> and just make it much yeah. more complicated now, uh, yes and none of, i think none of what we've said here like dis it's not meant to discredit or to sort of undervalue those critical discussions of race in american politics over time it does it, it all i'm saying to me is it seems like kind of an odd very specific thing to teach in grade school yeah, and I, I what well, again? What I'm trying to say too, and, is and I, to be fair, it doesn't specify in here when they want to teach right. it. That just that they would be teaching it. Yeah, but they keep mentioning birth to twelve. So. Well, the other the other thing to consider <laughs> right? is it sort of implies younger. Yeah, it, it, it implies sometime before high school is over. The other thing to consider, and to go off of your point, is if the only criteria is that you know critical race theory and restorative you know edu- cultural education are taught. It doesn't say like how they would be taught. It, it has no right. real criteria as to how that would be. So you could you could end up. I mean, I'm not saying you would, but in some states they teach the Civil War as the War of Northern Aggression. So the Civil mm. War is still being taught. It's just being taught in a very you know. <laughs> it is technically. So I I, I, I would pro- I'd maybe even just cut off that last part. It's not a bad idea. It's not a bad thought, and people should be taught about you know racial racial history of this oh, country. Absolutely, but. I think you really have to. It's it's much more broad than I think a party platform needs to have. And I also think there's a certain age in which it actually sinks in a lot more right. than when you're, you know, six. It's you not tend like- to internalize things when you're when you're a kid. And I mean, that's the thing that that I and I don't mm-hmm. know. Maybe I'm just being paranoid, or maybe I'm just jaded. But like, I can't. Yeah. I can imagine t- trying to teach critical race theory to. Yeah, I just remember like myself when I was eight years old, mm-hmm. and somebody told me like. White people are the cause of all the problems in the United States, and that's you know that's an exaggeration, but right, um, like that that that'll imprint on your on the way you view yourself and view the world, and 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 and, it, and it's not like mathematics where you can teach simple addition to a kid, and you're just going to go and build up upon those skills to get the mm-hmm. higher math skills. Yeah. If you teach someone a very dumbed down 
version of history in at like second grade when they learned the more advanced version of history they'll they're going to think but that this is not what i was taught originally right. it's, mm-hmm. it's it's a very di- very very different concept and history and social studies are such critical concepts as it is yeah you know and i guess relative even not that you know history didn't happen a certain way but that you know the causes behind it can be debated yeah i i think it's kind of again it's just an odd thing to include in a party platform in my opinion Concurs. There's, there's a lot of stuff in the ORP platform. I think it's very <laughs> odd to put in a sure. Anyway, right. um, plank five. We oppose high stakes testing as an instructional model or as primary strategy to determine student success or school effectiveness. We oppose high stakes testing as a strategy to sort students by their proficiency or schools by their effectiveness. Did, did they just say that twice, or did I read it twice? Uh, both. I think both. They, they they just said it twice. So, I have a lot of thoughts on testing, and my experience comes between me and my sister. I slayed standardized testing. I was in, like, the 98th percentile of everything. Was I great at math? No. Was I in the 95th percentile of math? Yes. Yes, I was, (laughs) because I'm very good at guessing. You give me four answers, I'll figure out the right one. I don't need to do the work. And I was very good at that. I mean, I killed basically everything. My sister, who's also very smart, and smarter than me in some places, melts down during testing. Like, it would take her three hours to do this, like, test where you're given, like, three hours, and she'd be the last one there and just failing miserably, even though she knew the answers because the pressure of test-taking just wore on her. Whereas I would be out in, like, 45 minutes in the 90th percentile and everything because I'm like... You guys listen to, you guys listen to Malcolm Gladwell's Revisionist History? Mm-mm. podcast i've heard good things about fantastic. it fantastic um but he has a, a section in i think in the latest season about this where he takes the lsat and how the lsat is in no way predictive of your abilities as a lawyer so he uses that as an example but no no exa- exactly and, and and so i've I, i've seen time and time again how you can just completely go and blow these standardized tests out of the water and it's no mm-hmm. proof of anything i was really bad at math not according to these tests though <laughs> <laughs> so so I agree with this is what I'm trying to say. Right. Yeah, I I honestly I I kind of do too. I will say, however, uh oh yeah, yeah. I I agree with it. I I like to really strongly agree with we oppose high stakes testing strategies uh or schools that by their efficiency. Because I think yeah. I think our entire I have a lot of thoughts on our education system. We'll probably <laughs> get into them more. Um on but a, I think on a later episode. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, using test scores to determine a school's worth is incredibly detrimental. Just like using property taxes to determine mm. a school's worth is incredibly detrimental. Because it doesn't actually say anything about the students or the quality of the teachers. It just says, you know, like you were saying, how many students are actually learning the material and how many are just good at guessing. I'm very good at guessing. Yeah. No, good point. Plank six, we support multiple assessment strategies to determine student success. We recognize that a student's teacher is the person most qualified to determine student success. We oppose so-called, quote, merit pay, unquote, based on student test scores. Agree. So basically the same thing as the last plank, except they... Okay. Yeah, I don't really have a lot of qualms with that. I mean, my my only initial qualm is the same thing when it comes to any other, you know, government employee, is that you need to have some sort of assessment of how good they're doing at their job. And That's fair. you need to have an ability to go and let them go if they're not good at their job or put them somewhere else. Because that is the problem for the most part, as we talked about in, in the first part of this, is when you don't allow a government to go and let people go when they're not doing a good job, you have very mediocre government. Now, yeah. I'm not knocking on you teachers. All y'all is wonderful. You went into a good profession. You're getting crap pay. and You're doing the Lord's work. But I'm just saying, we all know that you all know that there's that one person who's not doing their job and pulling their weight and still gets <laughs> to keep their job. And you're probably frustrated about that. So I'm speaking up for you there. I know that 99% of you are good people. But I've had I've had those teachers that are just like phoning it in for the last couple of years because yeah. they don't care anymore. And, 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 and I don't think that person should be allowed to teach if that's what's going on. It's that's my only point to that. But again. Nick's, yeah. Too bad Nick's not here because his wife's a teacher and he would, I'm sure, have a lot of things to say about I'm that. Sure. I, I'm, I'm sure. Kind of, I, I I don't know. Coming from college recently, I really like uh, the way we we had um, 
student surveys that would go out at the end of the term. You, mm. you had to oh, yeah. respond on your professor and all. And, you know, I, I tried to be pretty fair. Like, if you graded me fairly, I, you know, really wouldn't have too many complaints. Um, even if they taught stuff that I thought was weird, still give a yeah. generally good score. But, like, for teachers who were didn't grade me fairly or, you know, just generally didn't care, you break them over the coals. And that's just an indication for the university well, that, that, hey, that's... I think that works in university. I don't know that it works so well at K through 12. You're right. It might not. Um, also, you have no... Like, I mean, you figure elementary school where you have one teacher the entire day. True. What do you compare it to? And, that's very true. I mean, yeah. so... Maybe start after yeah. a while. <laughs> Maybe in high school. Maybe in high school. <laughs> yeah. Baby steps. All right. Plank seven. We support having professionally licensed teachers who reflect Oregon's demographics in the classroom, mentoring of all teachers new to the profession, and meaningful professional development for all teachers. Yep. Uh, sure. So they want more white teachers? <laughs> yes. I mean, demographically, yes. I mean, that's a weird thing to put into yeah. one of the whitest states in the entire country. Yeah. Is like, I, we want I more demographically. Wait, I, I know, but it's, I, it's, I know. Yeah. It's I'm, just, I get what you're it's saying. liberal platitude. It's I'm making, so dumb. Yeah. yeah. Making, anyway. Making fun. It's, it's nice stuff. Yeah. Anyway, it's, but it I, sounds the, nice. the idea of it. Yes. I, I, I like the concepts. Like, yep. <laughs> Plank eight. We support fair, rational evaluation of educator effectiveness by educators and endorse the collaborative evaluation of, of, of instructors and administrators, employing broad-based assessment methods that recognize and encourage excellence and ongoing improvement. We support assisting educators in meeting performance expectations. I don't know what that means. I think what it means, from what I read of it and what I, what I don't like about it, is... It means having basically the you know the 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 teachers go and grade themselves how they're doing, mm. like having their peers go and say, "Are we doing a good job? Yes, you are. Good for you." Now the problem when you have someone that's not on the outside doing an evaluation like that, uh, I just got done listening to this podcast about uh, fireman culture hmm. in various different cities and countries. And how it's basically just like, we look after our own and that's about it. And so when there are internal problems, no one talks about them because we just are there to take care of ourselves. And I'm not saying teachers are like that, but I have seen in many government positions, police department as well, is that they, they would rather take care of their own than go and suss out any problems. So having them being the sole people that go and judge each other and how they're doing just makes me nervous by default. Absolutely. Have you ever been on the receiving end of a peer eval? Yes. So the army does peer, the military does peer evals for those who don't know, and uh, especially in the officer corps, peer evals are a huge thing, and they, not maybe more so, but certainly on the same level as your officer evaluations by you know your superiors, your OERs can kind of make or break you, especially as you're kind of developing in that mm -hmm. officer role. And I've I've definitely seen it where if people don't like you, you're not going to get no a good uh, peer eval. If you're kind of on the outs and there's a there's a little group. You're not going to get a good one, no matter how hard you try. And that's not—that's actually not from personal experience. I know I sound a little jaded, but uh, <laughs> no, I, I um, well, to, definitely it's—it's it's happened. I've seen it. Yeah, and to both your points, like just because you don't like someone doesn't mean they're not good at their job, mm -hmm. yeah. or you know maybe they're the ones who are trying to fix a problem that has been swept under the rug for a long time, right? And they get yeah, and, and I think largely peer evals can be a good thing um, because you can. I mean, if somebody is so polarizing that everyone rates them poorly, you know, that's a decent <laughs> indicator that they're not doing their job well, even if they think they are or are getting good, you know, test scores or whatever. So I, I, I don't know. I, I would just maybe not make that the only metric. Yeah. Oh, and I, I think they pretty much say in here that they want many ways of evaluating. Sure. This is just one of many. So anyway. All right. Plank nine. We recognize poverty and socioeconomic status are primary factors in determining student success and school effectiveness. We support providing low-income schools with increased financial support. We support the concept of, quote, wraparound services, unquote, to provide students with support, such as mentoring, after-school programs, and other programs which have been proven effective. Totally agree. I wish that was in the ORP's platform. Yeah, this is... Yeah. The That's good, very good. Good... Good job, Democrats. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> the right. fact that well, we... This, yeah. this goes to your point of, of the property taxes paying for schools, yeah. which is should never be the case no. because what it, it does is takes the rich schools and keeps them rich yeah. and the rich areas, you know, and it propagates this this 
you know, I, I'm not that, about redistribution of wealth, but it, I mean, if we're really, if we're talking about how to make our schools better in general, it really ought to be the other way around, you know? Yeah. Or, or just, you know, it's state funded at a state level or you sure. know, even at a yeah. national level. I don't know, some higher level. So you're not yeah. looking at in like local property taxes funding the school. I think you could make a very strong argument for maybe not even changing the property tax method, but just injecting more state money into places that don't to make them or you know, spread at least, it out. Yeah. Or just put it all into a pool, yeah. man. Yeah, exactly. Spread, put it all into a pool and then pay out per you, student. Yeah. Uh, I, you, I think you'd me. run into a lot of the same pro. I think if you're, I would say inject state monies into those poor performing schools to bring them up to that, to bring them up to that level so that they're not suffering from poor property taxes. They're not suffering from a lack of retention of students and uh you know they can continue they can compete on that level because they're not just getting gypped by their property taxes i think basically what we're saying is that we like this concept this is actually a good part of the plank and that we should you know this should be part of ours as well absolutely good job after school programs are awesome (laughs) yep i (laughs) plank 10 is the one you're referring to earlier oh yeah let's do it we insist that charter and virtual schools receiving public funds be governed by the same standards applied to traditional schools god (laughs) you just said you didn't want this to happen and now you're saying it's cool as long as this is the case okay i'll play i'll play devil's advocate here and say you can be opposed to no you can be opposed to the thing but also say like if the thing happens we want it to be done a certain way no, I think that's fair. That that actually is a fair devil's advocate point, uh, and and I do feel the same way too. Especially in in our platform that we have, mm-hmm. you know, we should be okay with X, Y, and Z as long as it's done stringently. Even if you don't like it personally, yeah. But we can't seem to wrap our heads around that as a party, which is very frustrating. So <laughs> I think we support medical freedom, except <laughs> except, except for vac- yeah, vaccines abortions. and abortions and. Uh, gender reassignment. Surgery. Oh, and also, um, you know, if you want to go and end your life early because you're in horrible suffering, you can't do yeah, that. Yeah, you either. can't do that either. But everything else we want yeah. is fine. freedom. Yeah, you just, fine. Can't, you just can't tell me I have to get vaccinated. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Very strong opinions here tonight. Dude, moving, he's not moving, even drinking. <laughs> <laughs> moving along. Plan- <laughs> no comment. Plank 11. We believe that Oregon schools should have programs to address the persistent racial disparities in educational outcomes with a commitment to English language learners and dual language immersion educational models. Education models. Okay, so <laughs> I grew up in a school district that was very, very, very heavy on ESL, English as a second language. Mm-hmm. From what I experienced, it held those kids back. And How so? Uh, because they had to learn, because uh, they were being taught not the language in the country in which they were in, so they weren't able. Oh, to... so they they actually taught mm. like in for instance, so kind of like how we're taught Spanish, yeah, yeah. They were they were taught in Spanish. they were taught they in were... Spanish. Oh, so oh I, okay. interesting. And so you know, English was their oh, second this is language. Your, your so dual language immersion. That's what I assume this means. I don't know if it is. I I would assume because you know, Oregon, it is. Yeah, uh, and I, I, it it held kids back because they were still trying to learn the language, but not being kind of forced into it. Which at that age, that's the best time in your life mm-hmm. to learn a language. Well, my fiance is Romanian. She moved over here when she was five, and kind of got thrown into English, like you're mm-hmm. like you're referring to, and doesn't even have an accent. You know? Yeah, you know, I I think uh, I think the it's plank cruel, is solid. <laughs> I think the plank is solid. It's it it's what comes after the plank that maybe is what you're talking about the the actual policy the, the implementation of yeah. those ESL classes but I think I think at least the at least the motive is solid the motive is good there's a, there's, there's, there's a lot the of the motivations in this in, in this platform that I've read so far where like I I like where you're coming from but um, right. sure like you know road to hell good intentions something yeah, like that something I don't like remember that. Um, yeah. It, and, and it's the thing too, where the where the ORP is the exact opposite, where they're like them if they can't right. learn to hell with them, and you're like they're kids. Come on, man! Yeah. All and, government services should be conducted in English only. Yeah, only. I'm like I'm dying in a hospital. Like, what? Too bad. Like what? <laughs> um, you know, it's, true. And, and and so it's it's. I will say it, this is at least coming in a place of compassion. And a place of understanding that I think is actually nice. Yeah. yeah. And I think they have the right idea here. However, I think, if you're, especially if you're a young kid, you need to be thrown into an English class and just like 
especially yeah young kids for sure yeah, yeah i mean if, if you come here 17 like okay well kid gloves i guess a little bit but mm-hmm. you know again if you're five like your fiance was like mm-hmm. you should probably just throw into a, a clash and have to learn it real fast because that's the best way for you it's it's my, my, it's harsh it's gonna be frustrating but it's the best way i think mm, also, I, I, doctor. I, I see where you're going with that <laughs> I do think it, I do think at some point though that argument is not it's clearly not the same as the ORP's argument. I think that it <laughs> it's, it might be the exact opposite of the ORP's 100% opposite. <laughs> I no, don't like well, that where, argument. That where argument's I'm, dumb. Where I'm coming from is if you throw a kid into an English language class, it, you you sort of set them up to fail at least initially. And I don't know that that ought to be the goal of education. I think but if you were going to do that, you would have to have something else as well. Does anybody fail out of elementary school? Like, no, you don't. It's, it's but those about test learning. scores reflect. You know, I, I, I agree mm. that they that they um, it's about learning. It's about building. But you know, at some point, it's I got I failed my English class, and you. I think at that kind of young age, like you were saying, you kind of internalize that failure. It might hurts you further down the road. It's all it's all conjecture, but I do think that if we're going to be talking about just throwing kids into a class, you probably need something else as well. Oh, I absolutely agree. I, I, I think, you know, you've put them into the regular classes and then after school, they have to go and sure. stay for like two hours and have just English taught to them. Um, so they go and they get a little bit better every single time. Uh, but I don't think, like when my great-grandparents moved to this country from Mexico, they did not really teach their children my grandparents spanish like they they learned it because that was the only way they could talk to their yeah. to, to their parents but my grandparents sure as hell did not teach their kids spanish same my, my mm-hmm. grandparents did not teach my parents how to speak armenian and mm. and the answer was Wish they had too well the, the, their response was well we live in america and we speak english same. here and so this is what we're doing um and unlike most countries you can go a thousand miles in any direction and you're still in america <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> true, true. You know, it's not like in Germany, you go a thousand miles in any direction, you've crossed 30 borders. <laughs> it's not the same thing. So anyways. Yeah. Anyways. Anyways. Plank 12. We believe that developmentally appropriate, play-based, culturally sensitive opportunities for young children should be a high educational priority. I disagree that it should be a high priority. <laughs> um, I don't know what that means. I don't it's, know what any of that means. Yeah, I, that, I, I can I can guess through context clues what it means. Jesus, I don't. I, I, <laughs> I object to the word high. It should, mm. I don't know that it should be a high priority. And I think you're right. It is just kind of a platitude. <laughs> like, like, I just get rid of it. Yeah. Unnecessary placating. Be next. Next one. Next one. Yeah. <laughs> next, okay. yeah That's next time. All right. Plank thirteen. We support the right of educational professionals to freely and collectively negotiate instructional and educational ah, issues. Here we go. This is yeah that enhance opportunities for student learning as well as working conditions, wages, benefits, and employment stability. Okay. Here we go with the the unions. Yeah. So, like I said, I my school district was non-union, and uh, <laughs> we generally do public better. employees. Yeah, employees of CUSD, public employees, mm-hmm. just not unionized. As far as I, I don't remember, I think CUSD was not, and that was the, and it was, it was actually a perfect example for me to see the difference because CUSD, Clovis Unified School District, for all their problems, had better test scores, had better, uh, athletics, better arts, all of that, better, you could say, educational opportunities. And, you know, again, it, it goes back to the, the property tax deal, but Fresno Unified, on the other hand, was, pretty much terrible in all of those ways because every year they'd shut down and have to negotiate a new contract. Well, I said this in the other one, like unions give money to Democrats. And so then Democrats support unions. Like this is the cycle. And that's why this is all in here. I I will be, I will be more likely to support unions when unions are out there to support their workers and not give money to Democrats and get into political issues not just democrats i would say because i think you know i i i i'm not one to make an argument for unions but i think just to say oh they give money to democrats so they're we're against them that's well, sort of the whole I, to me that's the whole point of the janice decision i think you know if they if they were more maybe nonpartisan in reality i don't know if they claim that but if like you were saying if they actually supported <laughs> what was best for their workers and they, we, they will they will to- then say Supporting Democrats is better for our workers, and therefore right. that's why they do it. However, 
unions, if they stayed out of politics and only represented their their constituents, I would be much more friendly to their causes. So fun little tidbit about unions and Republicans. Uh, I collect vintage political buttons, have several on my coat right now. And the way to go and spot authentic ones, uh, up until the uh, early 2000s for Republican candidates, is if they have a union stamp on the button or not. Really? Yep. Um, every Republican button I've ever had up until like Ron Paul uh, <laughs> had a union-made stamp on them because Republicans would go and buy their their buttons from union manufacturers. So I think a lot of I think with with tangents, but <laughs> yeah, no, it's a good one because I think unions of nowadays because there there was a time when unions were kind of what we're describing, and um, not only supported Republicans but also supported Democrats. And now I think we're sort of in a time where this idea of solidarity has gone beyond just it, it's weird. Instead of going beyond looking beyond the worker to see the actual people that the workers are supposed to be helping, supposed to be serving, whatever, instead they've gone and looked beyond the worker to the other people who are sympathetic to this cause and how their agenda is is embodied in the worker. And it's this idea of solidarity. So I think that's kind of where the unions have gone astray. Rather than supporting the people of the state, the people that the workers are, or, you know, being about the people that the workers are serving, they're more about the people that their workers internalize. And that's sort of what hmm. I see. I think if, if unions could be more broad in the way they saw how the work that their members do benefits the community and the people who aren't union or whatever... I think we could probably have a better discussion about, you know, their place in, in our politics. Hmm. That's just my opinion. Yeah. And I probably need to research that a bit more, but that's kind <laughs> of what I see. It's all right. Well, this is pretty dense. It's okay. Plank 14. We support local control of our public schools, which is transparent and accountable to the electorate. We believe funding provided for the management of any public school in Oregon should be subject to public inspection and audit whether that management is done in-house or contracted out. That is incredible that I'm Oregon Democrats believe that public institutions need to be audited. <laughs> I am shocked. I am blown away. I so would, we're, we're good with this one. I, I will love it more when I see it more. I'm good. Yeah, mm. yeah, exactly. I'd like to see more of that, but kudos to the sentiment. Yeah. That's outstanding. Absolutely, yeah. Let's take that one. Let's lift That's that actually, one to the ORP. You know, I thought about this. There's a couple. There's some, like when we were doing the, the ORP convention, I considered taking word for one, word, word for word, one or two of these that and was, trying to put, next it, year. put it into the, the platform. I really However, don't think the Democrats would mind so much. No. Well, it, and it's if a we're all on the same page. Yeah, exactly. We should yeah. have more consensus, and that's one I think we can both be okay with. There should be zero objections from any Republican in this state or country to the notion that we should go and audit our public institutions to get the best bang for your buck. Right. I'm even okay with in-house. I realize that that may be maybe a little bit – it could become corrupt, but if you're yeah. auditing, you're auditing in my opinion. <laughs> if you're, you know, yeah, That's how I see it. Okay. All right. It's a step in the right direction, I should say. Heard. Agreed. Plank 15. We believe the relationship between teachers and their students is essential to the learning process and that educational professionals best meet students' individual needs as opposed to misuse or over-reliance on electronic applications distributed under the guise of, quote, personalized learning, unquote. I actually have some decently strong opinions to this. Really? Yes. So, <laughs> okay. really, what, right. the, what, I think this, what I think this is, is it's the same concept as... Who is it that's uh, like it, it's AFL CIO? I don't know the affiliate, but trying to fight against uh, those computerized um, checkouts at stores. You know what I mean? Oh, like right. we go to Fred Meyer because it it does exactly what people who said the minimum wage rising would cost jobs. It does exactly what they said they would, they and if it's cheaper to automate. So I think that's what this is. Hmm. Um, really? That's that's how I saw okay. it. That you know you could because I mean really if you wanted to you could probably get away with teaching your kid via some you could probably set up a, a school around youtube mm, i, I really. would say half the things i learned more than half the things i learned as an adult exactly are from youtube videos yep and yeah. i learned them better than 
than students. And I, I had a discussion with this you can't a, with ask a, a YouTube teacher. video a question though. That's the, well, you can't so have that interaction. I'm not you saying can't it, have that. I'm not saying it should be done, and I'm not saying it should be done for kids. But I think that's what this is about to kind of you huh. know even instructional aids. I think that's kind of what you know if you start hmm. incorporating more. Um, because I think they say instructional aids, if you if you get more automated, as it were, you potentially cost those jobs. And I think that's kind of where this is coming from. So that's why I object to it. Hmm. Well, my thoughts on this, I'm a free market capitalist, and I believe we should pursue the best method, regardless of what that is. And James, that's should, crazy. We should do, <laughs> we should decide, is the best thing for the kids, in-person learning, YouTube videos, combination of the, of the two, yeah. like whatever is the best for the students. That's what we should pursue. I don't, I don't like putting something like this in here saying this is good and that is bad. Right. When there's nothing to back it up. There's nothing to back. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I, I think yeah. I think combining the two would be excellent. And I think you, like you were saying, there's no reason to put this or in here. Or either or. Like just, yeah, I mean, you don't, yeah. It's, yeah, it's protectionist, we'll say. Find yeah. the best combination thereof. Yep. Exactly. Teachers will always be needed. Okay. Same. Plank 16. We believe students and families do not surrender personal rights upon enrollment in public schools. EdTech or, quote, personalized learning, unquote, allows for a collection of personal student information. Statewide longitudinal databases put this data at risk. To assure privacy, we support full protection of all student data, including medical health records. Mental health records. Mental health mental, records. Mental health care records. Yeah, sorry. That's an oddly specific. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of what I thought. Yeah. The first time I, I read this and I just went, was there an issue with this that i don't right. know about and okay so it's it's a weird thing too in which is a huge critique when it comes to let's get dark here uh school shootings about not having the ability to go and mm. know a student's mental health records and they're mm -hmm. just saying seal it all up <laughs> yeah i mean because that's a lot of that has been the first indicators of if someone is disturbed or not, or might have those tendencies, is the ability to go and access those and go, well, there's some signs right there. Uh, and when you're under 18, you're not really a person yet. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's how our laws work. Um, I, I, I yeah, I, I agree with you in that it, it's probably best for the school to have access to medical records. Uh, mental health records. Mental health, mental health records. records. Yeah. Well, I mean, both really right, sure. having a heart attack and you don't really know what's wrong. And they give you, I don't know, an EpiPen you're allergic Sorry, to. Sorry, you can't access these. Wait, but he's dying. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I Again, this is one that I like where it's coming from. I just kind of like them to flush it out more. And I'm not sure that a platform is necessary for yeah. that. I don't mm -hmm. think that I have. I don't think that I know enough to have an Same. opinion on this. Yeah. Really. It's again, it's so oddly specific. I want to know the context. Same. I want to know yeah. why. Yeah. Like, what were you thinking? I'm so confused. Right. All right. So moving on. Plank 17. We believe students perform better when in good health. Therefore, we support full funding for nutrition programs, including breakfast and lunch, counseling, including school counseling and mental health counseling, and health services, including school nurses and school health centers. I'm interested, health centers. I'm interested to hear what you guys think about this before I say what I think about this. I think that providing mental health services to... Uh, kids is a good thing. I think that if schools can provide that and they can go and be comfort to these kids, I think that's a good thing overall. Uh, I think that, I mean, the nutrition thing I think is also good. Um, if we, if there are kids that are too poor to be able to afford food to school, which is the thing sometimes, like, yeah, we should probably provide that. That's a smart thing to do. And I can tell you from personal experience from being, you know, the weird deranged goth kid in high school, like, Mental no. services <laughs> yeah, still shows today, kids. <laughs> um, like that, that would have been helpful because I went through a lot of really traumatic stuff when I was very young, and having someone to be able to talk to would have been like uh, would have been a helpful thing. Uh, and I'm lucky enough that I had a loving and strong enough family and support network, as far as my family was concerned, to have not gone off the deep end. But not everybody has that. I am just so. I, I mean, I, I agree with you. I'm always a little bit concerned when we talk about adding more government to things and yes, but yes, continue. But. no, I mean, that's, that's, that's kind of it. Like, I mean, my, my gen, I'm generally just cautious when we, mm -hmm. when we say the government should provide X. Sure. So I, I, I don't understand 
why our party is so against providing lunch and maybe these services to kids. Thank you. I really don't think well, you. And, and I really and I understand your argument. However, think about it. If, Feed you, hungry if you children. Really, if you followed that, if you followed the, you know, if you followed your argument about not provide, you know, government providing less and less, you could you could eventually make an argument against public schools in general. I mean, if it's a service that the government provides, and the way I see it is, I, if, I said I'm hesitant, not sure. that I oppose. I okay. just when when I when I see these broad, you know, government should provide X, right. Y, and Z, it initially gives me pause. And that's all I'm saying. And I, I think that pause is valid. And I, I and think fair. it's it's fair. I think that but since feed hungry children, <laughs> right? I think because schools are where kids between the ages of what, like five and eighteen, spend the majority of their time. Um, I don't think it makes sense to not provide a lunch for all of the kids that go to school there if they needed it. If they need it, yeah, yeah. And I, th- I, I, I never did. Sure, and some kids never do, but I think. But some really, really did. Yeah, and and you know what what happens if you're that kid that never gets lunch, you know, from the school, and then all you know one day it's not there for you. You need something, so I I, I don't understand the Republican argument. Well, I shouldn't say the Republican. I, I don't understand the argument really against this. This I I'm pretty much in favor of this this plank here. And I will say too. When it comes to government services, I mean, I, I may, you know, I want to go and make sure every single dollar spent is the smartest, Absolutely. wisest dollar you mm-hmm. can possibly spend. So when I look at things specifically like, you know, mental health care uh, stuff, I think we can do it for a very nominal cost and have the government do it in, in elementary school or middle school or high school or whatever. Or we cannot do that, and this person might suffer some kind of psychotic break or do something really terrible later on. Absolutely. And that's going to cause the gov- cost the government and possibly lives so much more money. Absolutely. So much more money. Like, nip it in the bud, take care of people when and they're trauma. young, get them, on the, get them on a good path, and you will save way more money long term. So honestly, that, that is my, the way that I think about homelessness mm-hmm. living here in Portland. Like if you provide, you know, provide some housing, food, shelter at the beginning, you don't have the emergency room visits. You don't have the drug overdoses. You don't have the strain on our other public infrastructure or the crime that's associated with it as well. So yeah, like I said, it just, it gives me pause, but so I want to hash sure. flesh these things out when I hear them, yeah. but Respectful. no, um, smart. Respectful, yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you guys. Rational, one might say. There you go. Oh, oh. call back. <laughs> Plank 18. You guys are going to like this one. We promote comprehensive age appropriate sex education in school curriculums in Oregon. <laughs> Love it. Well, that was weird. sorry yeah why we as republicans are so opposed to sex education is beyond me i don't understand it 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 goes what i was just saying you can do you can spend the money now yeah and you can go and have comprehensive sex education you can go and teach it up gradually because my it was taught gradually to me in school appropriate yeah which is smart i'm glad they actually put that in there and you know, I don't think my high school did this, but my but PSU definitely did. Like, oh, you're at the health center. Here's a giant bag of free condoms. Yeah. yeah. Go for it. I think that should have been in high school too, honestly, because my high school definitely had a place for the kids who already got knocked up and had kids. Yeah. Like yeah. Um and that was not great for them to be learning when they have to worry about, you know, their two year old daughter. And so again, Race up. spend the money wisely. Yeah. This prevents greater costs down the road. Just I will say I understand the sentiment of wanting parental control. And Absolutely. parents want to be in control of the way their kids learn about sex. Then parents do your I jobs. Get it. Well, that that's my point. Not every parent is going to do that well. You know, you have... Or at all. Or at all. Yeah. You have parents. I mean, we're not talking about the good parents who sit their kids down when they're in sixth grade and have a talk about the mm-hmm. birds and the bees. We're talking about, you know, parents who are in and out of jail, parents who are, you know, on drugs, who are maybe just absent and, or maybe just uninterested in their kids' lives. Or so fundamentally evangelical Christian. Mm. No, come on. Yeah. Come on. That they don't even want to address the subject. You're just going to forget about the Catholics and the Mormons? No, I'm not. <laughs> Catholics and Mormons, too. I'm not kidding. No, this is a thing. Like, people on the, or, or, you know, again, Muslims and Jews, like, there are a very devout group 
of religious people in this country that just don't want to believe that sex well, they, they exists. Do, they do abstinence only. That that yeah. which, which is which ridiculous. Doesn't work. It's so, ridiculous. That's my point. So here's what I'll I'll add. Um, yes, parents should do their job, and if you're a parent who is an evangelical Christian or whatever, and you believe that you know sex is for marriage, as my parents did, it's it's still important that your child learn about. I think sort of about how to have sex safely and, and the resources available to them at the very least. I don't know that I'm on board with the drag queen story hour for four year olds. I'm not, but, and that's where I think parental consent comes into play. Please enlighten us and the listeners. It's, it's just a thing that people have been doing. I don't know. It's mostly at libraries from what I've seen, but the, you know, the local library will bring a drag queen in and, have a thing where kids can go and sounds outstanding. Have, they'll, they'll read a, they'll read a, you know, Xander. Child, like Good Night Moon or something to the kids. Sounds it's great. weird. It's weird if that's what you want. If that's how you want to raise your kid, okay. But, but like, that's not part of the public cons- school system, though. That's part. Uh, of- I think it, I, th- I think in some places it might be. Um, I could be wrong about that. And there are things like that that do happen in public schools. And I, I think that may be. But again, it's I think parental consent should be mandatory. Sometimes they don't get it. And that's a problem. Other than that, it should absolutely be, you know, something that kids are taught in schools about, at least at the very least, the resources available to them uh, in the event that they do have sex. Yeah. All right. Um, I think we've beaten that one yeah. sufficiently to death. Plank 19, we believe curriculum-based community service learning and place-based education builds a sense of personal efficacy and empowerment and provide opportunities for children to see themselves as leaders and activists and should be a high educational priorities. Should be a, a, oh, there we go, yep, grammar, a high educational priorities. I don't know how I feel about the Democratic Party of Oregon thinking it's the public school system's job to go and turn kids into activists. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's, here's that's, my... That's what struck out to me. And that's what yeah. community service can mean, too. What got me is this place-based. I was like, isn't that what they do in Mississippi? Like, and they, they the war of northern aggression. Oh. Like, isn't that place-based yes. education? Yes, it is. <laughs> Shouldn't that be not a thing that we want to teach people? Yes. <laughs> Yeah. I, uh, Back to you. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'm going to say a lot more than what you guys have said on this. No, but but just like it, it's one of those things, where, and both parties are guilty of this, is that it's okay if my side does it, not if yours does. Mm. Right. And if my side turns kids into activists for my cause, then it's fine because we're the true and right way. But if the right-wingers do it, then they're just a bunch of like, you know, right. people that are just going and deranging children and turn them into like rabid fascists or whatever the hell they're going to say about it like it's just it's absurd like just don't turn kids into activists give them a fair balanced education let them figure out things for themselves and we're and we're seeing this right now between you know the Greta Thunbergs of the world and I don't know if you're familiar with CJ Pearson he's a you know young teenager political thought leader whatever on Twitter and it, and I just personally I feel bad for people like that, that. seems like the most oxymoronic phrase i've ever look, heard in my entire you life should look up, thought leader on twitter yeah yeah exactly <laughs> I'm sorry i well, hate twitter it, it, so much it plays into that you should just look him up sometime it's not on twitter not on twitter <laughs> okay he fine. says some weird stuff um he actually says some downright terrible stuff but i feel bad for those kids because i was you know i was a young politically aligned high schooler i thought you know i thought i was pretty cool and i was you know towed the pretty standard conservative line about, you know, oh, homosexuality is wrong, you know, it should be, you know, policy against that, whatever. And as I grew up, and as I learned, and as I, you know, met people, I discovered that nuance is a thing. And you don't have that. <laughs> you don't get that. You don't what? get that unless, you know, you have those opportunities. And so to, like... So there's get a the, high five for that. Thank you. And so as you get these, you. You get these kids into, you know, activism at, a, a, at an early age, sure, it can have some of those effects of, you know, self-empowerment, being a leader, and that's great. There are other ways to do that. But it also, I think, gives kids the opportunity to kind of exist in that echo chamber of, you know, I'm doing this, my teachers say it's right, it's right, and then they never learn that nuance. What was the dumbest thing you believe when you were 17? I think probably that homosexuality should be illegal everywhere and that gay marriage should never be a thing. That I, I was also pretty against marijuana legalization and I think... I'd have to go back and look. I was into some dumb stuff. I was a. Uh, There's a record. 
Yeah, I oh, uh, God. I listened to a lot of Rush Limbaugh. I might have been the only kid I, that did. Wow. I, I grew school, up so. listening to the Rush Limbaugh too. I yeah. and I, I'll tell you I'll tell you when I first started to get an inkling that nuance might be a thing was one day I was driving home from school and it, well from a school I went to like two kind of it, weird thing yep. when I was driving home and I was listening to Sean Hannity's show and I remember like he started talking about oh I don't even remember what it was something about like oh it was about Benghazi and how like we need these committees to do all the, and and I remember thinking to myself. Like it, it, it was. It went from that to like this whole big like impeachment thing, and like you know the bravado of of Sean Hannity. I remember thinking to myself like, I am too old for this. Like I don't believe this. I don't know if any. <laughs> how could, how could anyone like believe that you know this man that the president of the United States is like a a devil? You know what I mean? Like it's. Yeah. I, I don't know. It, it was it was weird. I, it was awakening, and I remember thinking to myself, I'm just too old for this. I need to learn more. You know what they do is they they do it incrementally. Yeah. They and that's that's how they get people is they they start that's out how with, they get you. Well, I mean on both wrong. sides. On both no, sides, absolutely. They, they take one. They take something that's true, and then they take something that's a little bit outside of true, and then they just keep building on that until they they get these absurd things that they that they derive from truth, yeah. and they get people to believe it. So James, dumbest thing you believed when you were seventeen. I don't honestly. I don't remember. I was I was pretty hardcore right wing at seventeen. You know, again, growing up listening to Rush Limbaugh. This is so fascinating. I was going to going to Christian school. Um, yeah, I you know I can't think of a specific thing, but I'm sure all of that that, yeah. that Peter and I were probably in the same boat. And I, so I was registered Green Party. <laughs> <laughs> it's I, a little, I, little bit different than I. I, I than, only registered Democrat when I turned 18, so I could vote for Dennis Kucinich. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so that's that's how I believe the world should work. <laughs> when I was 17, <laughs> I'll add two more. And oh, then add, I moved to Portland. Oh, no. And it made me Republican. <laughs> I'll add two more things to that. First, I met a lot of, a number of my neoliberal Democratic friends started out the same way. They grew up in, you know, conservative religious households, held these beliefs, and then start discovered nuance, et cetera. Yeah, I, that's that's probably the only thing I would add to that, actually. Okay. It's 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 just a symptom. It, it, it's part of life, and kids have to learn that. And if they don't, then they become shills. Well, and on that note, too, I remember that... You know, when I was 17, I was obviously an idiot. Um, yep. We all were. Yeah. Same. <laughs> you know, but I, w- I was at least curious enough to ask people questions or at least talk to people that had different opinions mm-hmm. than mine. And so my my mom's father, uh, the one that my Mexican father referred to as the great white father-in-law, <laughs> uh, <laughs> nice. uh, was, was, you know, a hardcore, 100%, live and die, will never vote Democrat, Republican. Like, that's who he was. Now... Mm-hmm. He had a lot of issues with the Republican Party. He would write him like a five hundred dollar check every year and say, "Please change your stance on guns and abortion." <laughs> and but he would still write that check, yeah, because that was his party. And I remember, you know, talking with him when I was all about Dennis Kucinich and like all of his like, "Oh, get the Department of Peace," and then you know, <laughs> we're going to go and have universal college and we're going to have universal health care. And he's like, "Great, how do you pay for that?" And that's all he would say. And I'd be like, "Uh." Taxes, <laughs> you know, because I didn't pay taxes. I worked under the table for some guy at that point, you know. Like was, yeah. You know, and but, but he he at least went and started to go and yeah. throw in those seeds of like, that's a great idea, but how and why? And I had nothing. I had nothing to throw at him. And I realized that oh, my beliefs are just based upon fantasy, and I like these things because they sound great. But I'm not in the real world. I'm I'm not in the real world. I'm not paying taxes. I'm not working. I'm not having to do anything I'm living off my parents because i'm in high school <laughs> but yeah no democrats let's allow 16 year olds to vote continue i uh i know i see james ready to move on but i w- i'd like to ask a question kind of related on on what we were just talking about um another thing that really woke me up as a kid is i i have stayed pretty consistent on my environmental views and i remember as a kid well you know my cities were you know the cities around me were drying up like i went to a water rights rally my mom signed me out of school and i went and actually was there with uh, uh, 
United Farm Workers busted a bunch of people and was there at the Fresno City Courthouse. And then they brought a bunch of Republicans to talk about water rights. So that was something that really woke me up as well, as I heard Sean Hannity continue to complain about how climate doesn't change and people don't affect anything. But that's something I've stayed pretty consistent on. So what are some things that you guys have stayed pretty consistent on, you know, the older you've gotten? That's a, actually a really interesting question. Way to go and turn that around Thank real you. fast. Um, I actually would say, like you, the environment is a thing that I've continuously been unabashedly in favor of. I grew up fishing. Uh, I grew up hiking. My parents would take my sister and I to a lot of very natural areas. And so the idea of even thinking of shrinking the national park system right. or subjecting them to just being you know, gutted for industry is abhorrent to me. Because I actually like Theodore Roosevelt, <laughs> but like for real, <laughs> unlike just the bravado reasons some Republicans mm-hmm. like him for, I like his conservation policies. Same. Uh, so that is the thing I've never changed on. Um, I've never changed on the aspect that baseball is the best sport on earth. <laughs> Fight me. You're wrong. Um, but I've also, um, you know, I've also never changed, and uh, in, in my opinion, either that I'm actually a full-throated supporter of the Electoral College. Mm. I don't ever see myself backing down on that. I would say for me, it's small government. It's a weird three. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Limited government and low taxes. Okay. I think that's always been a a thing that, you know, if, if you can do something privately and it works, let it be done privately. Let the market decide Mm -hmm. what is the best way to do things. Government intrusion into our lives, it gives other people control over me that I don't like. And even even things the government gives to you, that now the government has the potential to take those away if you don't do what the government says. Right. So even even free things from the government, and free, I mean, paid for by someone else, right. are still a threat to my freedom. It, it still takes a little piece of freedom away because now someone else has the authority to make my life more difficult by taking away that thing that they just gave me. And that's a good way to look at it, but yeah. I don't think a lot of people actually do look at it. Yeah. And it's smart, and I wish that people on the other side would look at that a little bit more. <laughs> the federal government does this a lot. Because I, I, what is it? The uh, the drinking age of 21, mm-hmm. right? Is that It's not law. It's not law, but the government, the federal government says, states, if you do not allow have the drinking age at 21, we will withhold like infrastructure funding right. like I think highway it's, funding I think it's 10 or, or 15 percent of your federal infrastructure funding will be right withheld it, which is a tremendous amount of money exactly yeah. so no state wants to do that even though they probably should in some instances i think we can talk about drinking age at another time but yeah the, we ar- should. the artificial but, age of 21 is absurd but this is my whole point is the government collects your money then they give it back to you in the form of transportation packages and then they threaten to not give it back to you if you don't do the things that they say they you they want you to do. Gee, that kind of sounds like extortion. It kind of does actually. And, and the federal it feds, almost makes one scratch their ukranium. <laughs> I mean, that's a very good example. I mean, that that's that's an example, but they do this stuff all the time and it's, You're getting more enjoying enjoyment out of that than us. <laughs> I sure am. Anyway, small government. Okay, yeah. moving on. Plank 20, the final plank. Oh, we weren't done yet? That's the only yeah. reason why I went on this tangent. I'm oh, no, so we have one sorry. more. One more. This is the last one. We promote comprehensive climate literacy education in school curriculums in Oregon so that students may probe the cause, causes and consequences of the climate crisis as well as solutions. Uh, I, that's pretty pretty standard Democrat talking point. I, it's a platitude, but one I am um, starting to feel strongly about. It's one I that I don't hate. <laughs> I mean, again, it, 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 it's one of those things where when you are saying all the things that we should teach our kids and you make these long lists that they're doing, I mean, should we teach the racial history of Oregon? Is that a strong thing we should put in there too? But it's just, it's, I don't disagree. We should be teaching more, uh, teaching our kids more about this. We should be more educating ourselves about this as well. But it's just again one of those platitude things where I'm like, that's that's weird. I don't, I don't I don't hate it, but it's weird. I don't hate it because I think environmental science is an important you know class that can be taught. I think pretty easily in middle school or high school. But does it deserve to be in a party plank? N- no, but I think the other thing that concerns me about it is it directly follows something that talked about 
you know, community service, I guess you could could almost say enforced community service or activism by the wording of it. Um, And that kind of, that concerns me a bit because it's different than the environmental science classes I took in high school, which included, you know, reading Walden, Thoreau, et cetera, and talking about how the environment actually works. And then you're sort of, you're focusing it on a very broad spectrum of cause and effect that has so much to do with economics and culture and world politics that it almost seems like it it, it doesn't belong in high school because it, i think climate literacy is an interesting term and i think it's important for kids to learn how the environment works and why maybe um how pollute. we're possibly affecting it. Yeah, and 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 more almost more importantly how that affects them. But to go that extra step and start talking about this broad overarching theme of climate change and I would guess environmental degradation which is my big thing although it's not spe- uh, specifically pointed out. I do think that there's so much more to those issues that to narrow like, again to narrow it into you know shoehorn it into a high school course or even a series of high school courses is actually going to end up diluting the subject entirely. Whereas if you get into college and that's, you know, a found you have that foundation of climate literacy or whatever, uh, of, you know, understanding of how environmental systems work to build upon, then you can start to talk about the economics of it, the geopolitics of it, etc., and have a much better picture. And then if you so choose, become an activist in that way. That's that's my stance on it. Fair. I think that's solid. Yeah. And gentlemen, that's it. All that's right. article that is two. Article two. article two. Thank you all for the Empire coming. Strikes Back. This was uh, <laughs> this has been two days of two days in a row of podcasting, and Indeed. we still have loving every minute. Seven or eight more of these. Good. So giddy up. This will be this will be fun. This will be fun. All right, listeners, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Rational Republican. Please like and subscribe on your favorite podcasting service, or you can listen on our website, jamesaball.com. Also, don't forget to follow us on social media, and if you're feeling extra generous, you can visit our Patreon site at patreon.com slash rationalrepublican. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.